Hey, this is Dave Pryor. Welcome to The Reluctant Agilist. Today, I have a true expert. Dave West is here from Scrum.org. Dave, thank you for taking time out of your day. It's a pleasure to be here. And, and how are things in Boston this morning? Well, they're actually sunny and lovely today. It's uh, Winter is leaving. Of course, it's Boston, so you never know what's just around the corner. I'm sure the winter will come back for a couple of days <laughs> just to sort of give us a good kick in before yeah. it leaves. But yes, today is a beautiful day here in uh, sunny Massachusetts. Cool. All right. Thank you. Um, and we're going to talk about the product goal. So I am on a mission to try to make sense of this inside my own head. And as you said, sometimes uh, when we were talking before the interview, sometimes you just have to let things be. But I want to try to chase it down as best I can. The product goal is something that was introduced in the new Scrum Guide that came out in November. Um, maybe you can talk a little bit about what the intention with that edition was, what problem was being solved. Well, I'll, I'll give you my perspective. Obviously, you know, the workings of Jeff and Ken are a mystery even to themselves, I think, at times. <laughs> so, but I, but I will share my conversations, particularly with, with, with Ken Schwaber, on the product goal. So, ultimately, the, what Scrum is designed for is it's designed for, to provide a, um, uh, a framework to help teams solve complex problems, right? So, Ultimately, the teams work together in pursuit of some sort of problems or set of problems to solve. You know, they break those problems down into smaller chunks. They empirically work. They get that feedback, etc. Now, it's very clear that that they're in pursuit of something. Now, previous versions of the Scrum Guide loosely talked about a vision, talked, introduced sort of like that that this product backlog emerges out of something, out of some context, as it were, a, a hill to climb, a problem to solve, a, a mission to, to realize. Now, that, that was great and, and, and it works fine. As Scrum has evolved and as its usage has evolved, it's, it's clear that they wanted to be a little bit more precise in terms of what that inspiration is. And so the product goal was introduced as a commitment to the product backlog. So that means that the product backlog clearly describes, you know, the intent, the sort of the, the steps that we're going through, the things that we're going to be doing. And the product goal describes the the why, the, the mission, the where we're where we're working to. So when I talked to Ken about this, what, what was what was very clear is that he believes that great scrum teams know why they're there. Now, there is this interesting uh, thing that I've observed, and, and I think he has as well, where they use, people use scrum to do work. The product owner is really a project manager. All the stuff, I was going to use a rude word there, all the stuff that, that people have piled into the team to work on and the project, the product owner basically sole job is to prioritize this and finding a sprint goal is really hard and, and, and you know, it's, uh, the team's serving many different customers and the goal, you know, if you ask them what the goal is and what the mission is and what the, there's like many of them and it's all very confusing. The best teams are ones that don't have that confusion. They have that clarity of purpose. They have that clarity of mission. Now, also those best teams realize that that mission might be incorrect. And they when, when you know, the, the sort of what, you know, you have a great plan and then you run and start doing it and realize that it's not working at all. And so then the, the product goal can obviously change. Uh, but, but ultimately how 
definition, that sort of clearly defined set of outcomes that has some sort of customer. I don't necessarily a customer could be a user, could be a consumer, whatever it is, and that has a target. It's measurable, like a goal um, is you you know when you, you're winning. So so as added to the Scrum guides, that was a very long diatribe, wasn't it, Dave? I apologise, <laughs> but but the it was added to the Scrum guide primarily to provide clarity so they can be inspected and adapted just like all the other artifacts in Scrum or in this case, a commitment to an artifact in Scrum. And that allows teams to effectively know where they're going or at least have a definition of it and then realize it's wrong. All right. So that I want to, yeah, it did. And I want to comment on one specific thing that you said where, which is that defining the sprinkle is really hard. And for me, that was one of the things that the protocol made so much easier because I was having, if, if I get people in a class that aren't used to Scrum or they're just doing it in some weird way, they're used to just jamming stuff into sprints. And when I try to explain to them, look, there's supposed to be something different in the universe by the end of the sprint. Why, why are you doing these things? Um, and using that to define a sprint goal, that was still something that people struggled with until I was able to say, well, the sprint goals are in service of the product goal. And that helps them understand that. I think the thing that, about the product goal that, that really clicked for me, is, and this is mentioned in your blog post about it, is that it's a measurable step towards achieving the vision, which is something yeah. that was totally missing before. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. You said, you said the thing about sprint goal. So one of my sort of like sniff tests, uh, yeah. you know, when I'm, when I'm talking to um, people that are doing Scrum, and, and, and I, I love to do that, by the way. So, uh, in fact, a little too much. I often get pulled out of parties because of it. But, <laughs> but the, what the thing, like, one sniff test is, so tell me about your sprint goal. And how many times do they say, well, we've got, we've got a few goals. Yeah. Seven <laughs> like, things. We have seven goals. Yeah. And, or it's just to do work a bit better than last time. Eh, that's not really a sprint goal. It's an aspiration and I appreciate it, but it's not yeah. a sprint goal. That, so there's that. The other thing that's really interesting. So sprint goal totally, it really helps because it provides context to that. Um, the second thing that's really important as well that you may have seen in this scrum guide, we went from self-organized to self-managed and yeah. I'm not going to get into the pedantics of that. Um, but it's really hard to, to be self whatever without a clear focus on purpose, you know, because it, it provides that those guardrails. This is what we're trying to do. So we're going to do yeah. everything or get other people to do everything necessary for us to deliver on our goal. It allows us to self-manage because it gives us those guardrails as to why we're here, what we're doing, and, and, and gives us that sort of like, this is what we need to do to deliver on this goal. Oh, hang on a minute. What do you mean we can't do this? Well, we're going to have to do it ourselves if we can't do it. It's that sort of classic startup mentality. We will do, we'll either persuade you to do it for us, Mr. Manager or Mr. Service Department or whatever, within you know, the constraints of our time frame, or we're going to do it ourselves because the goal is what you're paying us to deliver on. So the self-manage element. So those two things, sprint goal, self-manage, totally empowered by this, by this commitment to the, to the product backlog. Yeah, and the focus, I mean, the way that it helps with the focus is really, I think that's a very positive step. One of the things is maybe the other side of it that has me a little bit confused 
I understand that the team can only work or should only work on one product goal at a time, and obviously because of their focus. But I'm wondering about the product backlog as a whole. Does that mean that we should only have one product goal at a time in the product backlog? Because if so, then what do we do with all the other stuff that people are thinking of that we should include? Well, I think that's a testament to granularity. It's a testament to you know the the outcomes that you're trying to achieve. I mean, yeah. frankly, you know, you say tomato, I say tomato. It it gets a little bit of semantics. Ultimately, okay. the goal should describe the intent of the the work, the engagement, the thing that you're the mission that you're on, and it's probably inspired by some vision which is then inspired by a company mission or whatever, et, et cetera. So you get this, this sort of like clarity of why we're, we're here. Yeah. The product backlog should support that goal. So it should be the things that you think that you need to do to support that goal. So then you say, well, hang on a minute. What happens if I've got things that, that, that we, I know we need to do that are in, not in pursuit of that goal? Yeah. Well, then that's an interesting question, isn't it? Are they important? Oh, well, yeah, we've got to do them. Well, then why are they not reflected in the goal? Well, because there's something else the team's doing that isn't part of this work. Well, hang on a minute. Does this mean the team actually isn't focused? They're still supporting, you know, this work over here and this project over here. They're doing like lots of different things. Now, that I can't say that's not okay because that's often the reality in situations. However, it comes at a cost. It comes at a cost. It comes at a cost of switching. It comes at the co- cost of of, um, of focus. It comes at the cost of well, hang on a minute. We got to go. Oh, geez, we got to we got to move from this perspective to this. Oh, hang on, the stakeholders aren't available. You know, and there's a false economy that people often have in their head that if we just fill the team with lots of wants, whenever there's a down moment in one want. And, and I'm using want rather than goal and all this. Yeah. But when, if when there's a down moment, well, then they can move on to the other thing. And there's this, okay, well, that comes at a cost. Yeah. Because what would they have been doing? Now, obviously, every situation is different. So it's impossible for me to be like, well, thou shalt only have one pursuit of one goal. Right. The reality is that that might not be the case. However, what this does is it makes it transparent. It okay. makes those disc- these discussions and those debates transparent. We use we use product goals at Scrum.org very very. I wouldn't say very well sometimes, but we use them. We use them, and there's um, somebody that works with me, and she says to me every time I'm like, because I'm as you may have can tell from this, I'm I'm easily distracted. I am definitely got some magpie in me, and I'm very quick to oh we can do that, and she's like no. You said that these are our four. <laughs> You're supposed things. to be like that. You're the executive. <laughs> well, that's, yes. <laughs> I say that. They say, no, servant leader. I was like, damn it. How did that happen? <laughs> anyway, so, um, anyway, but so it gives us that. So we're like, well, hang on a minute. Is the goal wrong? That, that was one of my questions with it, that could t- teach you that the goal is not formed well. It could, or it could teach us that their expectations on the team are too great. Or it, or it can say something like this. Do we have to do it now? Yeah. Can we stagger the work? Can we have the team focus for the next three months on this goal? And I'm just making up a number. I don't know how long. Yeah. It and then can we have them focused on the next thing? You know, 
these are the choices and I'm not, and I don't know what the right answers are in your situation, but what I do know is that conversation is valuable. That conversation actually helps us make the right call and, and also creates transparency because these things are happening anyway. They're happening in the heads of the product owner. They're in the heads of the scrum master, the stakeholders, some random project manager that's there for some reason. You know, they're all happening. What we try to do is make them explicit. And if the product owner or if the team can't justify why this is in support of the product goal, and there isn't this sort of like, oh, my God, if we don't do this, we're all going to die moment, then, well, hang on a minute then maybe it shouldn't be 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 done that that the conversation about value dave is so important and there's so much stuff that when you really rub it you know when you really shake the product backlog that's not necessarily valuable or yeah. it's not valuable now does that make sense yeah dave? yeah it yeah. does the, the the thing that you mentioned about cost really struck me and i've been thinking about it since since you mentioned it so i want to follow up and try to say something out loud and see how it strikes you. What you said about the focus, totally get that. A a team could make a choice to say one product goal, everything in the product backlog in service of that goal, and that team would be hyper-focused on that thing and deliver that, and that would be great. There's a cost to that, which would be all the other ideas people are having are sitting somewhere out in space, and at some point we're going to have to deal with them. The flip side would be, I've, I've always taught the product backlog as it's all the things we could do. It's the options place. It's where you put all the ideas and the product owner will pick through them and order them and you know group them together. However, if I have a single product goal, then the product owner is going to have to figure out what to do with all that stuff to not let it into the backlog. But if I do let it all in, it's going to place a much more significant burden on a product owner um, trying to figure out how to organize all that stuff and how to communicate with the team about it. So there's a cost probably either way. Yeah. And, and, and it depends on where you're at in your life cycle. It depends on as a ex product owner, I would like to say that I did use the, it's in the backlog as a, as an avoidance technique Okay. to, you know, so I, so I, I was previously at an organization called Tasktop and we spent, you know, as a chief product officer and I was working with some incredibly smart, amazing people that were just great arguers as well, damn them. And so <laughs> the, um, but I had a vision for where the product was going. And sometimes to avoid the interesting debate with your CEO has a, who, who may have that vision, yeah. I would say, yeah, Mick, I'm putting it in the backlog great <laughs> it's just not a priority at the moment yeah and that now is is that a good thing to do so then so then six months later he would say dave where is that in the backlog i'm like it's not important so we'd have the argument later or maybe he'd just forget it yeah um and and yeah it's it is a really interesting the, the question is if you're being totally honest and totally transparent if something doesn't hit that product goal then it shouldn't go into your product backlog at that moment you should have that discussion because that allows you to better understand both the product goal ensure that your leaders are very aware this is our goal yeah. it doesn't mean you shouldn't capture this information and have these ideas but the product backlog does not become a product crap log 
because ah. I had to say my, <laughs> and, and I apologize if I offended anybody. Oh, the language that. on this podcast gets so much worse than that. There's really oh, oh, good. no limits. Oh, I'm, I'm so glad that the bar, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so the, 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 the crap log. So have you ever gone, and, and Dave, maybe you haven't because you're, you know, or your clients are so, so awesome after one of your classes, <laughs> but have you ever gone to a, a client and it's like, you got it's like three gigabytes of Jira, yeah. and you're like pages and pages of this thing. Oh yeah, we're, we're really going to get to the bottom of that, aren't we? Now, whereas if you keep this a little bit more refined and, and and focused, it really becomes a more empowering tool because otherwise, it's almost impossible for people to use. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's you know six of one, half a dozen of the other, as my grandma. Well, you're going to have waste on either side. Yeah. With e with either option, it's like for me, as somebody coming from a traditional project management background, I'm addicted to historical documentation. So, the anxiety <laughs> that I experience from doing what all my lean friends would say, just throw it away if you don't need it right now. I can't do that. Like I can't emotionally cope with it. But what I end up with with is a giant junk drawer full of stuff that most of which I don't. I'm never going to do, and I don't need. Yeah, it's those um, cables, right? That you get. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. I don't. I don't. You. I really don't need one of these old monitor cables. But you never know. And it could happen. Yeah, and it could happen, <laughs> and 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 it doesn't. And yep. then in six. I mean, you live in New York City, right? So yep. space is always a premium. And yeah. So you really should get rid of those things. I think it's a good mantra from Lean. Actually, if it's not important now, but it is important, it will come back. It'll come back. Yeah. And and I think there is an honesty there. Now, obviously, I'm not telling you not to take your journal and use a journal or or even use Evernote or whatever you use to capture this stuff so that you can read through these things to re-inspire you later. In fact, that can be very useful, but it's not in the product backlog. It distracts the team. It, as it you distracts put it in there. the team. Yeah. This is and also there's all sorts of contextual stuff and you know, and then people, the other thing that's really bad about this, it gets added to the product backlog and we move, but we're not focused on it. So we're working on the stuff, but because it's in the backlog, nobody worries about it anymore. That's almost worse than it being forgotten because then that, what that means is when in, in a year's time, what, like when Mick came back to me and said, so, you know, that really important thing that it turns <laughs> out every customer really wants, where is it? And I'm like, oh, yeah, just because it's in the product backlog does not mean I'm looking at it. Right. Particularly if it's in the second page of my Jira ticket list yeah. or issue list. So, so there's this, you know, that whereas if Mick had come back to me every month and gone, I think this should Where's be, I'd thing? say, yeah. well, it's not focused on our, our goal. And then we'd have had this big argument about priorities. At some point, he may have been right. Yeah, and and it was just me being a bad product owner. Don't tell anybody because because you know because <laughs> it, it's important for my future career. But the I was probably not doing a good job because what I was doing was just placating them and shoving it in. Yeah, and and you know it was whatever. And then I'd never look at it again. And or occasionally it would pass by. You know that when you're paging down. Yeah, and you're looking for something because you've accidentally put something at the bottom and you didn't mean to, and you're looking for something that is important. You say, "Oh yeah, I remember that," and then just move on. And then when Mick would come, he'd look at it and go, "Oh yeah, it's obviously in your backlog, so I'm not going to worry about it." And then the customer would go, "Well, I'm going to go to a competitor then, or I'm going to yeah. do it myself." And I'm like, "Oh no, why didn't you <laughs> Don't tell do me? That. I yeah. did tell you six months ago. <laughs> yeah, but I didn't think it was important. Why didn't you tell me again? Because I thought you were handling it. What?" 
Yeah. So I think those really important, you know, I think one of the biggest problems that we have in general is our inability or lack of desire to make decisions. One of the, one of the, you know, you see every organization, large organization that you engage with, Dave, that they, they ultimately have a sort of like anti-decision-making yeah. um, system. To keep them safe. Uh, everybody's safe when a decision is made. So many people are involved. Nobody can like, it's like, it's like, have you ever seen, this is going to be pretty horrible, but I'm going to share it anyway, because you said that um, you can do anything on this podcast. Yes, so absolutely. There's a film and a book called Alive about these rugby players that plane crashes in the Andes. <laughs> Remember that? Yes. And they get, and they have to eat human beings, but they don't know who they're eating because they don't want that responsibility, right? Or that g guilt. Yeah. It would seem that we've hidden We've just somebody chopped it off, somebody hid it. We've got that sort of same process in most organizations that we sort of don't want to be all responsible. So everybody's responsible, which basically yeah. means nobody's responsible. Nobody's accountable. Now, the product owner, horrible a job as it is, you got, you're, you're, you've got to make a decision. You've got, to, you've got to make a decision. And that means you have to have these horrible conversations with these people. And it means you don't have a job you know who you ate which is you know which is horrible and you probably won't send their family christmas cards but or maybe you should actually i don't know um but the, the you know that that's the whole point and and i think that it's nasty and horror but you know the great thing about scrum you get the ability to admit you're wrong yeah one sprint and learn at a time yes yeah. so which is a great thing in my opinion yeah this is great um Okay, so I want to ask you a slightly different question about this. And this is the thing that originally caused my agita with the whole topic. I was <clears throat> taught Agile with the five levels of planning. And I know this is going to touch on a sensitive thing for you. But uh, vision, roadmap, release, sprint, and daily. And I always describe it as vision and roadmap is strategic, sprint and daily are tactical, release is the bridge that carries you from one side to the other. In that model, which I may need to abandon, and that's sort of what I'm looking for your thoughts on, I can't figure out where to put um, product goal. I can't figure out if it's a parallel to product roadmap or above it or below it, or I just need to blow the whole thing up. I think, well, I mean, it depends on how it's used. I'm afraid I've seen like a million different implementations of that model. You know, okay. so people like, oh, well, this is a product roadmap. It, you know, it, it's actually something a lot more akin to a release plan, yeah, uh, less of a roadmap. And then, you know, I've seen ones where the, the product roadmap is just these high outcomes and then you end up with actually release, you know, releases that are different. I mean, honestly, I hate to say this, it does not really matter as long as you're getting value out of this whole thing. So ultimately, the, you, the, the, the thing about releases, which is really, really interesting is, Scrum is not a release life cycle. Releases happen during Scrum, but it's a, at best a planning life cycle, a work life cycle. Now, so you end up releasing, hopefully continuously, hopefully you're doing some sort of, if we're talking about software in particular, but if we're talking you know, about marketing or other things as well, the, the, the same is true. You're continuously releasing 
as this work hits the definition of done, right? Right. Yep. So suddenly, whoa, an increment is, I think it says it in the- Increment um, is born. Yep. It does say some, that moment of they got all wax lyrical a bit like simon and garfunkel and sort of said <laughs> oh you know an increment is born yep. when work hits the definition of done well magic happens so then it potters out so 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 it's important to not tied to this uh, sprint review is a phase gate to releasing and all that kind of s- stuff now right. Yeah, it's best even to do sprint reviews of released software, right? Or released product, as it were. They're the best releases. But the the idea that you still have a plan of what you're going to release is fine. And it, and it, hopefully it fits into some sort of vision. And okay. hopefully it fits into some sort of set of goals that, that, real, that realize that plan. So you incrementally release during a period of time and the goals are incrementally realized during that period of time. Now, the, the question really, when you're doing CD, continuous delivery, yeah. you are working in an incredibly complex place. Your plan, your release plan is going to be relatively fluid, right? Because yeah. things are going to be changing as you deliver stuff. For instance, you deliver something and you and you, that feedback comes into the system, you realize that it didn't actually help to the goal or it helped massively. That means that has to allow the change to future release plan. It could also potentially have an impact on the product roadmap. Maybe even of where the product's going as you saw somebody's getting some value that you didn't expect or, or not getting value that you expected out of it. This is the painful thing about this whole thing, right? You know, so, and that's where goals can help us a little bit. Maybe the product vision describes the ultimate value that the product's providing in the context of some sort of company vision or company sort of outcome. Right. That, that then that vision is broken down into, hey, so these are the goals that we want this product to, to execute on based on our understanding of the value, based on our, under, our current understanding of the customer. That means that we're going to have these, to deliver these goals, these features need to be delivered, right? Okay. That's in your product roadmap. Okay. And when are we going to deliver that feature? Well, actually, we can break that feature into five things. Now, the, but the, if you invest millions of hours of effort doing that in a very complex situation, whoa, it's possible that that will be waste. <laughs> because it's I, I hate to say well, it. Uh, only when you put it into your Gantt chart. <laughs> yes, well, yeah, obviously. <laughs> but you use meetings, like, or you build yeah. these fabulous diagrams, and then you deliver the first thing, and they go, "Yeah, that was crap. I didn't like that." And you're like, "Well, was it crap because we didn't do it? We did a bad job." Was it crap because why is nobody using it? Why is nobody clicking on it? Is it because they can't find it? (laughs) Is it it because, and then it's these interesting conversations. I respect the need for a a, a vision. Uh, A roadmap may be necessary if there's lots of teams working together. Mm -hmm. The plan, it becomes less relevant, I have to say. So if you have the product goals, you could... You could skip the release. Pl- I mean, the release plan you you don't really necessarily have to have if you've got product goals that people are working towards. 
I would argue that if if it adds value because you want to synchronize multiple teams, right. I would still argue then the best way of doing that isn't with a, some very forward-looking plan. The best way to synchronize teams is to get the teams to work together, whether you call it a scrum of scrums, whether you call it a Nexus integration team, whatever. Yeah. I don't care the termage. But you get these teams together, and I hope that what they have in mind is the product goal every time they meet, and then learning comes out. It means it's not as tidy as you described, Dave, with the with those uh, yeah. five layers. But that's just the reality. Um, and sometimes, because you've got like a hundred teams, and because you know you've got sponsors and investors and all these people, you have to create some of this stuff around. Or maybe the yeah. problem isn't quite as complex. Maybe it's just complicated, and maybe actually the complexity is how you do. No, is what not why you're doing it you know maybe yeah. the, the customer is the least and then it becomes a little bit more reliable but mm -hmm. honestly yeah a delivering on a release plan that's like a year in advance a product roadmap that has three years described yeah. uh, to a vision that was based on a set of customers two years ago isn't perhaps the model I would advocate in a complex world. Well, I'll tell you one, one of the things you just said that I think does make it more tidy is I'm going to refer to, I did an interview with Chet Hendrickson one time and we were talking about the release plan. And at the time I was of the mindset that we should be committing to a release plan. And I asked Chet and it was a video interview. He picked up a piece of paper, he handed it to me and he said, this is my release plan. We're not going to do this. And he said, that's <laughs> the only thing you, sh you can say that's true about the release plan. And so so that it creates this this false sense of I know what's going to happen. Yeah. But if I can say like we're going to do this thing, and when this thing happens, we're going to go figure out the next thing to do. That goal can be something that we're all locked into, and we're going to get there unless we decide we need a different goal. But um, it's a little more of a of a mark that we can try to aim at. I think. I think so, and it's a it's a what we aim at. Yeah, We don't know how we're going to do it. Things are going to change along the way, but we aim at it. Yeah. And I know that a lot of people say, well, hang on a minute. I want the stability. I want the predictability. I need those things. Fair enough. If you want us to build the wrong thing, <laughs> you're in the wrong business. <laughs> if we, no, if you want that, we can give you that false precision if yeah. you want. The question is, you the, the, we can't guarantee you're going to get the most economy. Um, you know, it might be the most economic solution. We can't guarantee that the customers are going to want it. Yeah, you can deliver what you what you said that you wanted in a way, but then you kind of don't want to use Scrum for it, really. Yeah, as it were. And, and and another interesting thing is, if you if we don't have a release plan, let's forget a release plan. Yeah, what would we do instead? And that's when it becomes interesting. Well, what we would do is we would raise the transparency of all the teams to that are delivering to this, imagine there's multiple teams, we're delivering to this product goal. We would ensure that they integrated all of their stuff frequently in pursuit of that because we don't know what's going to be next. So we must make sure that what we're doing now at least works in a way that we had originally thought and we will make it transparent across those teams. You know, if we, if we, if we even if we've got a release plan, if we pretend we haven't got one, what yeah. would we do? And that can get a really that can be a really interesting conversation. And yeah. uh, people like chat and people like that 
Um, I know Jez Humble also has a similar perspective on that. They would they'd say, let's let's forget the lead. What would we do to ensure Without the it. transparency? Yeah. How do we mitigate, you know, the stakeholders and you know, somebody needs access to the mainframe and all these sort of weird stuff? How do we do that now? Um, and that that conversation is a really interesting one. Wow, that's really cool. I, the, the what do we do without it thing is is really great. I, and I think for me, one of the things that's been so inter interesting about going so far down the rabbit hole with trying to get a locked in answer to protocol is it's made me made me revisit a lot of assumptions I had about things um, and challenge them. And and now I'm like, oh, maybe it's not such a big deal. And I'm back at the place where you kind of started with, which is you kind of have to find your own way with each situation and not look for lock-in answers to every single thing. It's There's a few things that you brought up there, there which I just want to make sure our listeners really focus on. One, the opportunity of the Scrum Guide update, it, it isn't perfect. It isn't, it isn't, you know, come down tin on the back of a camel or whatever. <laughs> it is, it is, it's an opportunity to use the changes as a moment to reflect. Yeah. And what, what you've done is exactly why I loved the update. I mean, I hated it as well because we had to update assessment questions, courses, materials on the yeah, website. Yeah, totally Blooming nightmare. But <clears throat> the benefit is that what you've done, you stepped back and said, hang on a minute. I've been using Scrum for, you know, however many 10 years or so that you've been using it, 12 years. Um, uh, these things have just become root, as it were. Um, or route or whatever we say in America. And so let's let's step back and actually reevaluate some of these things. You know, yeah. I think that is an incredibly valuable, valuable moment. And and it's I would irritating, suggest everybody, irritating oh. and valuable. <laughs> and and you know, as much as we as much as we are the inspect and adapt and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Of course we are human beings and we, we, you know, human beings have survived by not doing that, by not, you know, it hurt once I'm not doing it again. Yeah. Big thing with sharp teeth runs by me. I run the opposite direction and I survived. Well, hang on a minute. Maybe the big thing that you run by, you can run into, Oh my God, he's dead. But the, you know, you've got to, yeah. So we're really designed not to change. And even us, even us that come across and say, oh, well, you know, change is great when somebody else is doing it. Hey, Dave? <laughs> yes. Well, I think also the people that are inventing and reinventing this stuff, I always try to get this across in the classes. Like I might be in front of a bunch of people teaching them how to do it, but I'm struggling with the same stuff they're struggling with just in a different part of the problem. We're also trying to figure out how to make it work. Yeah, and I think one thing, the great thing about the product goal and the great thing about the commitments in general, and that's not the, um, wasn't there a movie called The Commitments that was awesome? Oh, it was an awesome, an awesome book, Roddy Doyle, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, it, 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 the great thing about the commitments is they, they provide transparency on the artifacts yeah. in a sort of awesome way. Sprint goal provides great transparency on the sprint backlog. The you know the definition of done provides great transparency on the increment, and obviously the product goal provides great transparency on the the product backlog. Yeah, and, and transparency is at the heart of everything. You know, I've I, I'm not a scrum master, Dave. Never never will be, or never really want to be. But when I've been forced to attend scrum master type training, 
one thing that I've taken away, the best scrum masters make things transparent. Yeah. The right things transparent. And that makes us have those conversations, which improves the product, the way we're working, and, and ultimately makes everything better in the end. And yeah. that's what it's all about, right? Yeah. That was great. I really appreciate you taking time to talk with me about this. Um, and I want to, I want to give you a chance to mention the, massive amount of valuable resources that scrum.org has. You want, can you talk about that? Yeah, so if, you, if you're if you interested in the product goal or basically any of the changes to the Scrum Guide, go to the What is Scrum page at scrum.org and then there's a thing that says, hang on a minute, there's some updates here and there's this collection of, of, of resources, of materials, of great blog posts, some by me, Ignore those, obviously. Um, no, somebody... yeah, hold on a second. Your blog post was really important to my understanding this topic, so definitely read that one. Oh, dear. Yes, well, you can read that one if you have trouble sleeping. <laughs> and then, um, you know, the, the, there's some great assets there. And you know what you can use them for? I mean, I'm not telling you how to use them for. Obviously, you can self-manage. But one thing I've seen them used for, that's, this is probably why I'm not a scrum master, right? Uh, <laughs> one of the ways I've seen them used is as a sort of aide de memoir to have a conversation with my team about something. You know, we talked today about the product goal. Oh, you like know. a book club kind of a thing. Yeah, you use it as a, yeah. I, yeah, I always feel like I, 100 years old when I say book club. But yes, <laughs> like, a, like a book club. And, you know, use them and just print them out and say, hey, did you see this? Let's have a discussion. And yeah. they won't be perfect. But that what they hopefully will do is make about some of this stuff. The, 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 the other thing that, when Dave, when you were talking about how it challenged you, yeah. one thing that it made me, the whole Scrum Guide update is framework. That means you have to bring your brain, yeah. bring your situation, bring your problem, bring your team, and out of it, whatever, it's your stuff. Now, if you break some of the things that Scrum describes in the Scrum Guide, I'm not saying that's wrong. Be careful, because the reason why we do things, the reason why we have a, a one product goal is for the things that we just talked about earlier. The reason why there's a sprint goal, the reason why there's, you know, the reason why if you're working on the same product, you should all work from the same product backlog. Those things are the, because they're things that we think provide a lot of value for that foundational framework. Yeah. That doesn't mean they're perfect. And then, you know, hopefully you can use that and build on it and, and have these conversations and deliver value to your customers and maybe even deliver towards your goal or realize it's wrong and then change it. Cool. Thank you. I, I, I want to highlight one specific thing on the site. Ralph, is it Jocom? Is that how I say it? Joachim. Joachim. Yeah, so he lives in Switzerland. Ah, okay. So sorry if I mispronounced your last name. Um, but there's a new Canvas tool for product goal, which I just, I, I know it's like a month or so old. I just found it yesterday, but it looks, I mean, I'm psyched to use it. It looks great. Yeah, I, I've not used it in anger yet, um, or in happiness, <laughs> I suppose I should say. Um, the Ralph is a trainer, uh, he's German, but li lives in Switzerland, trains throughout, one of our professional scrum trainers. He's he's a rock star, wrote the book with Don, um, um, Don McGraw on, on product ownership, which I also recommend. I think it's a fantastic piece. These Don and Ralph are much smarter than me about all this stuff. So if you've got really hard questions, send it to them, and, uh, <laughs> and uh, they'll do a they'll do a fantastic job compared to me. But yeah, that canvas looks really interesting. I'm excited to use it. Um, 
inside our product ownership team in uh, in, in scrum.org we're actually um going to start to use it in the next couple of weeks i cool. it's, it's about a month old and and it looks really good because what it does is it provides transparency clarity forces us to think about stuff that helps us then refine that goal so that we've got something on the wall or in the confluence stack or whatever yeah. and 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 that that's that's groovy cool this is I, I am very grateful to you for taking time for this what if people want to reach out to you what's the best way for them to get in touch with you well Obviously, you know, dave.west at scrum.org, feel free, or you can tweet me at, uh, at David J. West, or obviously my my link, LinkedIn. Uh, and um, I, I love talking about this stuff a little too much, as proven on this, uh, on this <laughs> podcast. Um, why say one word when you can say 300? Um, but we have an opportunity to use, you know, product gold and the techniques of Scrum to solve some of the most gnarly problems in the world and to build teams that are both re resilient, happy, focused, and, and delivering good. Now, you know, it, it's, a, it's a really honorable quest that myself and people like Dave Pryor and, and, and Ralph and all these other people in our community are on. So, you know, help with, we has still got to be learned and uh and understood so reach out if you've got any questions or comments and uh hopefully uh, we're here to help you cool well thank you very much this was really great um i'm going to put links to um, a bunch of the resources on prodigal obviously to ralph's tool and the book as well um as as well as your contact information but thanks a lot dave i really appreciate you making time for this Oh, Dave, well, always a pleasure talking to you. It's been a little while, so yeah. it was good seeing you and, and uh, <laughs> spending a little bit of time with you. So uh, hopefully it won't be so long next time. Yeah, thanks. If you learn to work the old way, but the new way is what you need. My job's to make that switch from old to new. Sunglass